The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 34. Welcome to The Place, 5236 Downers Grove. This is Cigars and Sports Chicago. We are here for the dawn of the new Bears episode. Let me set the scene, as I just mentioned. We're at The Place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, In case you're wondering, the place is a cigar lounge. It's a retail operation. If you want to come in, hang out, smoke a cigar, get a selfie or an autograph from Phil Sullivan or some of the other people that hang around there, feel free to do that. You want to watch a game. It's just a great place to hang out. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports, and you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever the hell you get your podcast, but you know that because you're listening to a podcast. I am smoking an Avo number nine, and as always, I would like to introduce my friend and co-host, Phil Sullivan. How are you doing, Phil? What's going on? What are you smoking? What's happening? Not much. Uh, good to be back, um, except for this weather. kind of sucks, but other than that, I wish I was still in Florida, but it's good to be back. Uh, smoking, I'm just going with a little uh, short story here, as we call it, a little dog walker from Arturo Fuente. And, uh, that's about but it. you don't going have a dog, so how can that be a dog walker? Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess uh, I'm just calling by the... Why don't you have a dog? So. Nice, Why don't you have nice a dog, smoke. by the way? It seems I used strange. To. I used to. I had a great dog. It just didn't feel like another 12-year commitment, so decided against Yeah, it. all right. Well, Phil, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We got the Bears trade of the first pick. We got free agency. We got Bears free agency. We got the White Sox and new rules in baseball, which I think is pretty interesting because we both have been to uh, spring training games in uh, different states, which I think is pretty interesting. The WBC, which for some reason I just cannot stop watching. It's so much fun. And then guess what? Even as a bonus, we're going to get in a little bit of March Madness. The NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. So let's talk about this trade. So the Chicago Bears traded the first overall pick in the draft to the Carolina Panthers for a package that included the ninth overall pick, a second round pick, which actually is at the end of the second round, the 61st pick, a first round pick in 2024, and a second round pick in 2025. They also got Pro Bowl number one wide receiver DJ Moore, a guy who's only 26 years old, has had 3,000 yard seasons, is legitimate number one, has played with no one except terrible quarterbacks, really good player. How do you feel about this trade? I mean, I'll get into a little more detail about it, but I will just tell you right off the bat that I personally love it, and I've loved it even more as the days have gone on. What are your thoughts on the trade? You know, it's a it's a great trade. Um, you know, and a big question going into this draft, obviously, when the Bears got the number one pick, 
you know, were they all in with Fields? Was he even dangled out there? Were teams even interested? I don't think we'll ever know any of the answers. Uh, it's obviously the Bears are all in with him. They're certainly putting some pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, they they got a great offensive lineman that they picked up in this Nate Davis. So I think uh, they get a few improvements on that offensive line. Of course, they certainly improved their defense. But, uh, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's all about it's going to be all about Fields. That's going to make or break polls as a GM. You know, he had the ultimate choice. He had a GM's dream with this draft, having the number one pick, having the amount of cap space he had available. But I like it. I think it's a great. I think this uh, DJ Moore is, like you said, he's a perennial Pro Bowl superstar. So it's going to be certainly going to be a lot more exciting. Yeah, I like the trade because, first of all, number nine, you're still going to get a really good player. You know, you got an opportunity to get Saronsky from Northwestern as an offensive lineman. There's there's a couple of edge rushers out there at Paris Johnson, another offensive lineman. There's not you're going to get an opportunity there. You still may also be able to get Jalen Carter. And my take is there's no way in hell I would have picked him in the top five based on now his history of. Um, irresponsibility, but if you vet the guy and he seems serious and he seems like he's not going to get any more trouble, you know, there's certainly going to be risk with a guy like that. But at nine, if he's there, I would take him in a second. I love the fact that we have two first round picks next year. First of all, we have 10 picks this year. But, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about is you can't, and we'll get to free agency in a minute, but you can't accomplish all of this in one year or one free agency period or one draft. It's going to take minimum two or three years in order to really build a Super Bowl contender, if that's possible. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do think Ryan Poles is doing a number, you know, a number of the right things. I like the fact that they have two first round picks next year, because quite frankly, that is also an insurance policy, because if for some reason that Fields does not play well this year you now have two first round picks to mess around with next year and if you need to go back and get a quarterback next year you can do that I don't want to plan on that but man if they can make significant improvement this year and have all the draft capital that they have next year they're going to be in really good shape you know as I mentioned they have 10 picks they unfortunately you know go one and then they've got a couple of picks at the end of the second round and then a third that comes up very quickly after that and by the way if you take a look at what Ryan Pohl's draft looks like last year I don't think there's any question that from a trade standpoint he is likely to be very active on uh, draft weekend you know as well so you know I feel really good about the trade I'm glad that he did it I'm glad that he did it early you know here's the other thing I'll tell you too DJ Moore you know certainly one of the best 15 receivers in the NFL and you tell me a receiver who is better than him who has been signed thus far in free agency the answer to that I will give you a spoiler is absolutely no one so how can you argue that that was not a good a good trade and if you consider the fact that they got a first and DJ Moore that's basically the equivalent of two future firsts so I feel really good about it there's no doubt it was a good deal and you know back to this draft you know, though they got two late second-round picks, their next two picks are the first picks yep. in the third round and the first pick in the fourth round. So, you know, that's, you know, pretty exciting. Players, very good players, can come in the first three rounds. There's no doubt about it. And having the first pick in the fourth round, you know, puts you pretty close to the third, obviously. But uh, like you said, if we segue quickly into free agency, you know, I like some of these players they picked up. The main thing that jumps out at me is the yep. age of some of these guys, which is fantastic. I mean, T.J. Edwards, 26 years old. Tremaine Edmonds, 24 years old. 
you know, some of the age of these guys, is, it's pretty exciting. You know, this Nate Davis is only 26 years yeah, old. Yeah, it's pretty clear what so Ryan like Poles exciting. is trying to do in building this team. And clearly the answer to that is young. Because if you look at some of the guys that they were rumored to be potentially signing, like McGlinchey, who signed, you know, for $87 million um, and $60 million or, or $50 million guaranteed with Denver. If you look at, you know, he's 28 and a half years old. You look at Javon Hargrave, who's 30. And you look at just some of the other guys who they were rumored. Um, I believe that the reason that they did not sign those guys is because of age, because it can't be a coincidence that, as you just mentioned, that the guys that he did sign are younger. Now, I will tell you the downside. The downside is if you had said to me going into free agency, what are you know the Bears' top priorities, I would have said offensive line, or no, specifically I probably would have said offensive tackle and defensive tackle, and they have not signed any offensive tackles or defensive tackles, so that's a bit of a concern. They did get this DeMarcus uh, Walker who is an edge rusher, had seven sacks last year, 21 million over three years. So, you know, that, that guy should be, uh, you know, that guy should, should uh, you know, be an improvement. And he is actually 28. But, yeah, you look at um, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, the guy's not even 25 yet. Nate Davis is 26. TJ Edwards is 26. So, clearly, polls going with the youth movement. The other thing is, too, although I said that they didn't get – you know, necessarily the positions that we wanted, you know, as you look at the Bears, you know, as you, you, you were saying to yourself, what do they, you know, what's the weakest spot in the entire team? And quite frankly, it's probably that defensive front seven. And at least they've taken care of the linebackers in that front seven now. They got two starting linebackers. You know, they've got the Jackhammer, former teammate of uh, of TJ Edwards at Wisconsin, um, Jack Sanborn. So they've got, you know, three quality linebackers, hopefully, you know, at least one of them being a, you know, perennial pro bowler and, and two other guys who are young and have a lot of potential. And uh, TJ Walker or TJ Edwards has played really well. So, you know, you got that, but we still need, you know, Know, more edge, more defensive tackles, and you know I'd feel a hell of a lot better with either a blue chip right tackle or left tackle on the offensive line. I'm okay with Braxton Jones. Probably rather move him over to the to the right side. And the guy who's still out there is Orlando Brown. So it's interesting that he has not signed yet. I can't really figure that out except for the fact that he wants to be the highest paid offensive lineman in football. He has not found that deal. And the weird thing is, he's not really rumored anywhere. So who knows, maybe if he comes down in price a little bit, I would take him because the Bears still have in salary cap space, even after all of these signings, about $45 million. They still have the most cap space in the NFL, although the gap has closed a little bit. Still have $44 million. And they have the ability to, to go out and still sign at least one more blue chip guy. So that's certainly what I hope they would do. Need need work in the trenches. You know, in the cap space, like you're saying, it's, it's all important. I mean, one of the things about taking this Nate Davis you know, there's probably a good chance they might cut Cody Whitehair. You know, to get rid of Cody Whitehair, that saves them more cap space, I think, in the neighborhood of 12 to $14 million, you know, if they get rid of Cody Whitehair. But, yeah, I mean, these guys, they're quality players. I mean, too, I mean, this this T.J. Edwards, you know, he was a Wisconsin, he's actually a Chicago boy, and, you know, he was a first-team All-Big Ten twice at Wisconsin, 
But something that really stands out at me, this guy has started 43 out of the 45 games he's been eligible for, which um, I like to see that. And the same thing with Nate Davis. Nate Davis has started 54 out of 55 games that he's been able to play in. Uh, so uh, they certainly haven't been hit with the injury bug. I hope it doesn't happen when they get to the Bears, but they certainly seem very Yeah, I adorable. think you bring up a good point. If you look at if you look at all four players and you also look at DJ Moore, durability is clearly something that you know that Ryan Poles is looking at. DJ Moore has not missed a game in three years, so clearly that guy's out there every week. And yeah, there's no guys who are injured. Obviously, previous Bears regimes have had a had an issue with uh, drafting and signing injured guys. And you know what happens to injured guys, Phil, no matter what sport it is? They get injured. They get injured. So uh, hopefully we don't have any injured right. guys. It appears that way. Yeah. And and it's interesting because if you look at potential, you know, cap casualties, you get five point eight million if you want to cut Cody Whitehair. And you know, I think that now that they're stronger at guard and based on the year that he had last year, you know, I would not hesitate to get rid of him. Also, Lucas Patrick, that the guy they signed from the Packers last year, who was a complete bust. The only you know, he got hurt twice, only played I think three games. Um, you could save three point nine million if you wanted to walk from him. Um, and actually only $1.4 million in dead space. So to me, that's a no-brainer. The only thing I could tell you is that either Whitehair or Patrick could play center, and you do need a center. So not sure what they're going to do there. You know, Justin Jones, if you wanted to get $4.9 million, you could save some money there. Although, again, you do actually need to have players. And, you know, Justin Jones was a decent um, defensive lineman for them last year. But like I said before, it's not all going to happen in one year, but I think we're off to you know a pretty good start. And my guess is that in the draft, um, we are going to see a lot of offensive and defensive linemen. And here's the other thing that I would consider as well. Don't be surprised if Ryan Poles makes a trade here over the next few days. Because if you look at what he did... In getting DJ Moore, I don't think there's any question that there was a market for that first overall pick. But I think what put him over the edge with the Panthers was that they had a legitimately good player at a position that was very weak in free agency and that they needed in, in getting a wide receiver. And, you know, you get this guy for three years and $51 million, which for a number one wide receiver is a really good deal. And, you know, and the guy's 26 years old. So, you know, that could happen again. I mean, meaning it appears now, if you take a look, Indy has now made a couple of trades. Well, what if Indy was willing to take a third-round pick for DeForest Buckner? You know, you talk about beefing up that defensive line and guys that Matt Eberflus is familiar with. Um, why don't we go out and get him? Because And, and there's also going to be other cap casualties, but... I wouldn't be surprised if Poles traded some of that draft capital and actually got a guy who might be signed for a couple of years in his 20s that could fill some holes there because he's shown the ability to do that thus far. So, you know, a lot of options out there. I don't think until the draft is over in the beginning of May, I guess it's on uh, April 27th, it's three days, but I, I don't think we're going to really know how this offseason looks until then, but I think we're off to a pretty good start, at the very worst, incomplete. Yeah, I like the way things are looking so far for the Bears. Like you said, they go from last to first, uh, even if Rodgers leaves the division, you know, it's a big ask. The, the Detroit and Minnesota are going to be teams to be reckoned with for a few years. So it's going to be interesting to see 
if one particular team uh, starts dominating that division or if you're going to see some really competitive uh, football in the Central Division for the next uh, three to five years. It should the be North, man. Come on. The North. But I got it. Or the North. I'm sorry. I keep saying the Central. It's going back so, in the old days. Let's talk a little bit about baseball. So, as I mentioned before, both you and I went to spring training games. Um, you saw a, uh, a game in the Grapefruit League in Florida um, this past weekend. Um, I was able to go to a World, the, uh, World Baseball Classic opener in Arizona, as well as going to a White Sox game in the afternoon versus the Padres. And uh, I guess the, the big thing in spring training is, so what did you think of the new rules? Well, I mean, it's, it's a obvious that pitch clock, that pitch clock is a game changer. I mean, I just sat in the stands almost with my jaw open watching the change in the game. I think the fans are going to love it. I know I did. I just thought it was awesome, the pace of the play. I mean, we're looking at two hour and 15 minute games, two hours and 10 minutes, two hours and 20. It's, most of the games are within two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, you'll watch the uh, the game, the, the World Baseball Classic, which is using old rules or Typical rules, let's put it that way. No pitch clock rules. And I watched that game that you were at the other day, and I think at three-hour mark it was just getting into the seventh inning. It's, this pitch clock's a game changer. Yeah, I I agree with that. You know, I'm looking at some of the box scores just from today. 225, 237, 214. These games are whipping by, and I think this pitch clock, you know, it's interesting, in the minor leagues last year, the pitch clock cut 25 minutes off the games. I'm thinking it's going to cut more than 30 minutes off of these games. And so many of these spring training games have been very high scoring, and I would guess that they are more high scoring than the uh, regular season will be. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if these games end up being shorter. I wouldn't be surprised if you have a bunch of 215, 220 games. So, yeah, really, really um, exciting. I also will say that I was fortunate to uh, be sitting in the stands as Oscar Colas hit his first major league spring training, but hit his first major league home run the other day. That guy looks pretty damn good to me. He also had a home run in his next at bat in the first inning of the following game. So there have been some interesting things in uh, in White Sox spring training as well. And, you know, you take a look at your good friend, Yasmani Grandal. He's hitting 348. 385, 609 with a 994 OPS. So that's obviously good. Andrews is hitting. Jake Berger, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with that guy because I don't know where you're going to put him. But he's got four home runs. He's uh, got an 866 OPS. Um, Elvis Andrews has come out of the gate hitting really well. So, you know, there have been some interesting things. I mean, we'll see how things go at spring training. The team has actually not been hitting that well overall. You know, but there are some people that needed to hit, namely Colas, if he's going to make the team, and Grandal's going to have to do something. So, you know, those guys have looked pretty good. So I am, uh, you know, I'm excited about what we're going to see. I'm going to give him a chance. I also got an opportunity to see the great Mike Clevenger. No, he's not great. Actually, he sucked. I think he does suck. I don't like him. But, yeah, I did get to see him. So we'll see how that works out. But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty interesting, and I'm, uh, I'm optimistic about it. The other thing is, too, it is funny when you walk in there, and you mentioned this to me as well because you had, seen, you had gone to a game before I did. As soon as you look out there, you look at the bases, and it just looks different. You think to yourself, wait a minute, am I closer to the field? Am I, what is it? Cause it's just, but it is interesting how 
just the bases are closer just by or, or bigger just sitting there in the stands you can immediately tell that there is something different yeah it was a uh, it was significant when you like you said when you look out on the field uh you know the other thing i think that is interesting uh in the game i was at two batters got called out for stepping out of the box so i think the batters will certainly adjust to it pretty quickly but the pitch clock, it's going to be real interesting to see how the pitchers adjust to that as, as, as to the uh, speed that they got to keep delivered baseballs. You hope these pitchers are uh, not going to be injury-prone because of that. That'll be an interesting statistic to follow this year to see, uh, you know, because these players are seem to be getting more and more fragile and have more and more injuries that we talked about before that I've never seen in baseball 20 years ago, but they're certainly there now so it'll be interesting be interesting to see how uh my man Kopech adjusts to it I hope he has his psychological coach and his dad and everybody around him to keep him uh focused and on track so we'll see how that goes with him yeah Cease pitched again today and as you know he was absolutely horrendous in his last outing but just to give you a little bit of relief he pitched three and a third innings three hits two runs one earned um, two walks, four strikeouts. So he pitched better. So we don't have to be worried about that. But his eighteen ERA yeah, I'm not is worried still about up there. I'm not, it's I'm not worried about that. Yeah, it's you know, it's same thing with the hitters. I mean, it's it's kind of smoke and mirrors, especially this early in spring trading. You look at some of these hitters, and they're facing a lot of times pitchers that are minor league pitchers. Yeah, you know, guys that are not going to be in the pros. That these yep. teams are just trying to, you know, give them a shot. So uh, hitting. Uh, is a little deceptive, especially this early in spring training. So you mentioned this before, but what was amazing to me was on Saturday, I went to the White Sox game in Peoria, Arizona, and then directly from the White Sox game, my son and I then drove to downtown Phoenix to go to the WBC U.S. Great Britain game. I'll come back to that Great Britain thing in a minute. And it was amazing going from new baseball Two hours and 20 minutes, you know, complete rhythm to the game. Bang, bang, bang. It was absolutely great to go to old baseball where everyone's stepping out of the box, walking around a circle. And, you know, the other thing that I loved about the pitch clock is that it's great because you there's a rhythm. Like, you know the next pitch is coming. And it was so noticeable when I saw sort of old baseball in the WBC right after that. So that said, I am a baseball fan. And I don't know about you, but I just, I, I am loving watching this WBC. I can't figure out why. You know, one of my biggest takeaways, and I, I know I mentioned this to you the other day, but one of my biggest takeaways is how damn good that the uh, the Japanese and the Koreans are. And it's going to be really interesting when we get to that final round, and particularly Japan, who I would not be surprised if they run the table and win every game in the entire tournament. Um, but they are loaded. And they look really good, but you know it is kind of a weird thing because you've got good teams like the U.S., Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Japan, Korea. I'm sure I'm missing somebody else. 
And then the rest of the teams are like the Washington Generals. They're like a bunch of guys who are assembled together, minor leaguers, guys who, you know, there's a there's a dentist and a carpenter on the Czech Republic team. You know, so they're kind of fill-in teams. But I think when we get to that final round and everyone's jacked up in Miami and we've got all the good teams playing each other, I think it's going to be amazing. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know about you, but I have absolutely loved this thing. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's it's been a, a, almost a comedy looking at some of the players that these other countries have put out there. But uh, you know they're playing good baseball. I was actually surprised how well Great Britain's you know some of their players were. Um, I mean the team as a whole kind of sucks. But but uh, you know one of the things I wanted to mention, Steve, we talked about the bases and speaking of size, what's up with Lance Lynn? I mean, dude, put down the chalupa. I mean, um, he is uh, noticeably larger, and you know, I hope it. Uh, I hope it helps him. Who knows? Well, he said that he tried to lose weight one year, and it was the worst. You know, he pitched worse in his entire career. He definitely does not look any thinner this year. But it was amazing, and I know I sent you a picture the other night when Lance Lynn is was standing in sort of the introduction line. You know, as they were introducing all the players before the game. The guy is a monster. The guy is 6'5", 300. You don't even get, I mean, obviously we've seen the guy tons of times, but until you see him like that up close, standing directly next to other guys, I mean, it's unbelievable. The guy's gigantic. But you know what? He pitched really well last night. Fine with me. He got some major league hitters out. He looks like he's on it. He looks like he's intense. He did his usual Lance Lynn stuff where he was like, dropping F-bombs and yelling at himself as he was going off the mound and talking to himself. So, I, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, Lance Lynn is fine with me. He can eat as much as he wants. Yeah, and, you know, on the opposite end is uh, Giolito. Uh, Giolito, I think, dropped 25 to 30 pounds. So, you know, we'll see how that affects him. You know, uh, he could certainly use a turnaround season, that's for sure. Well, he also hasn't been very good. Um, so we'll see how that, you know, how that ends up working out. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried about Giolito because we need a bounce back year from that guy. And based on how he's looked in spring training, I'm not all that optimistic about it. But I guess we'll, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. So, Phil, why don't you talk to me a little bit about the NCAA tournament? You know, I'm not a big college basketball guy. I'm probably the only guy in the world that's maybe done one bracket in my entire life. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the NCAA tournament? Who are your favorites? What are you looking forward to? Give us a rundown. Well, you know, I thought about that, and I think uh, the more I thought about it, I think maybe if we do a podcast next week after the first round, we certainly would have a lot more to talk about. But, you know, I miss, uh, you know, I probably went to Las Vegas a good 10 years, uh, the first round of the tournament. Uh, There's probably not a more exciting time in Vegas than that weekend. Uh, I haven't been there for a Super Bowl. I heard the Super Bowl is pretty cool, but this is a whole weekend. And uh, I've been there a couple times when it's landed on St. Patrick's Day weekend, and uh, the place is a madhouse. It's uh, It's been a lot of fun, some of those very memorable trips to Vegas during this weekend. So, yeah, it's uh, you know it's basketball on Thursday and Friday. If you were in Vegas, it starts at 9 in the morning, and it ends about 10 at night. And uh, there's nothing better than being in a sports book the last two minutes of a game 
when you got half the room screaming at the guy missing a free throw and you got half the room cheering when the guy makes a free throw. So it's a, it's a cool tournament. Uh, there's a lot of good teams this year. Some of the small teams, the Marquettes and the Gonzagas are going to be there again. I think you got some good teams. Kansas certainly has a very strong chance of repeating. So let's get through this weekend and uh, I'll have a better uh, uh, assess of uh, where things are going next week. So... Yeah, that, that should be interesting. I'm a somewhat casual observer. I will probably do a bracket. Um, I am rooting for the University of Miami. Um, I pay them a lot of money for my daughter to go there, so I want to see them win. They're a five seed. They've looked like, they look like a pretty good team, so that it should be interesting to check out. But I want to go back, as we, as we wrap up, I want to go back to one point that I forgot to come back to, which was that game that I saw, the World Baseball Classic game, the U.S. versus Great Britain. Okay, what the hell is Great Britain? Okay, what, I mean, is this, like, why is that team called Great Britain? Is anyone aware that Great Britain is not a country, it's an island? Like, I don't understand. Why didn't they call it the U.K.? Why didn't they somehow call it, like, England? Or, like, what is Great Britain? Yeah, and what was with their uniforms? It looked like they probably forgot their uniforms, picked them up at Kmart and then uh, or Walmart, and then someone said, oh, by the way, we got to have our name on the front of what country we're representing. Uh, I, the uniforms looked like something they threw together in the last hour. It was so really I, don't care, I don't care much about uniforms, but I do agree. That was a topic of conversation because their uniforms were so bad. They were basically like this. They're this just gray outfit that just says like great britain and like a small font on the front but seriously why is it called great britain yes for those of you who are intelligent uh well-read informed adults yes i know what great britain is the uk is england scotland wales and northern ireland and if you subtract northern ireland from that those three other places those make up great britain but it's not a country so I just do not understand. Like I can even understand how in soccer they've got separate, you know, England, Scotland, and Wales teams. Like I get that. That makes sense. You can argue that they're. Co- what is the deal with the Great Britain? Could you? And by the way, I was asking everyone at the game this thing, and so many people. First of all, they were like, some people, of course, were like, "What the hell are you talking about?" But other people were like, "You know what? We were talking about that in the car on the way over here today. Great Britain is not a country. Do you have any explanations for this?" No, I don't. That's the first thing I thought when I saw those uniforms. <laughs> and I saw, like you said, the the, uh, the font, the way it just said Great Britain. I thought, okay, uh, that's not a country. So I, uh, I I had the same thought process that you did, but uh, it was a little bit amusing to see. But all you need to know is how how awesome it is, because tonight at 9 p.m., I can hardly wait to lay in bed and watch Mexico versus Great Britain tonight. I don't know why, but I love watching these games. Like right now, come you know, I guess at the top of the hour is Dominican Republic and Israel. That is gonna be a beatdown like no one has ever seen before. I even like the beatdowns. I cannot believe I've gotten back to the World Baseball Classic. So if you, anyone knows what Great Britain is, uh, let me know. So, Phil, that's it for tonight. We're going to go with a lean episode. We'll hit the NCAA tournament next time. Uh, thanks for coming. It was fun. Good talking to you. Cool. Go Bears. See you. Sugar,